Welcome to HRI's Next in Health podcast. I'm Jenny Colapetro, PwC's Vice Chair for Health Industries, working across pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers, and providers. And I'm Igor Belakronitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I get to work with leading health organizations on their strategies and operating models. Today, we're going to be talking about culture and leadership in the pharmaceutical industry. And who better to cover this topic with us than Luna Corbetta, who's a principal in our workforce transformation practice dedicated to the pharmaceutical industry, and Blair Shepard, who is PwC's global leader for strategy and leadership. Welcome, Luna, and welcome, Blair. Thanks, Igor. Glad to be here. Happy to be here. Blair and Luna, we recently discussed the future of pharma with a few of your colleagues, and there were some very interesting and innovative trends that were emerging. Blair, can you share a little bit about some of the key forces that you see shaping the overall business environment? And then Luna, describe what that means for the pharmaceutical industry. So, Jenny, if you think about the workforce issues that we're confronting right now, it's kind of the combination of the four times in history when workforce has been the most important issue in the world. So think about it, because of the massive change in technology and what's now possible to do across all sectors, particularly in healthcare, if you think about it, it's not unlike the first kind of agricultural revolution where we actually started to specialize in the first place. We went from hunters and gatherers to actually building all sorts of capabilities to build a civilization. We're experiencing something like that and at that scale again. But added to that, there's a huge scarcity of resources, particularly in the United States, by the way. So if you think about, I think we had 115 million people in the workforce pre-COVID when I have 95 million in the workforce. And because we're getting older around the world, at least in Europe, US, Japan, it's actually declining every year, year on year. And so there's going to be fewer and fewer people available. Sort of same thing you had at the time just after the Great Plague, where we got rid of serfdom because we just didn't have enough people to do the work. We're kind of in the same kind of problem now. The third is there's huge rivalry for people where the new players are trying to take people away from those who've been around for a while. And so it's hard to keep them when there are other people looking for the talent. There's just not enough of the kinds of talent we need. And again, that occurred during the Industrial Revolution. And then finally, if you think about the Renaissance, where we kind of reinvented the whole notion of what work meant, we're going through something very similar today where the generation coming up are saying, I just don't buy the premises about the labor contract or employee understanding or the general social contract that my parents lived by. And so I think the thing to think about is any one of those four is big, all four at the same time, creates a pretty interesting strategic challenge for managing people. And what I will add to what Blair shared with us, what does this mean for the pharmaceutical industry? So as you remembered, we have four big building blocks, what we call the four C's in our next in pharma point of view, capabilities, configuration, cloud and culture. So in the age of great resignation, having differentiated culture is going to be what actually makes our employees feel that this is meaningful, that there's purpose, that there's actually a sense of belonging in everything we do. And for the pharmaceutical industry, this means saving lives of improving people's health and people's abilities to live a fulfilling and thriving life in their communities. So over the past decade, you know, if you look at the PwC global culture trends, you know, we consistently have shown that a distinctive culture can actually outpace the competition, can actually create growth and profitability much more than any industry peers. 
So our view is that in the life science industry, being conscious about the culture can either help us accelerate and transform the way we see operational value, the way we see our interconnectivity with patients and their communities. So simply, there's no way to get around, you know, it's just the time. The time is simply now for cultures to be at the center of the pharmaceutical future and pharmaceutical ongoing transformation. Luna, we hear you loud and clear that culture is a very important part of success for the pharmaceutical industry going forward. But culture is such a big topic and different people think about it differently. When you talk about culture as a big enabler for the pharmaceutical industry going forward, what are the big elements of culture that are really important to you? We see two key enablers and culture is a very difficult thing to describe and, you know, it's intangible. Right. But through our research, through our collaboration with many pharmaceutical industry players, we realize there's two cultural traits that can be defining and that can show a company's value and a company's accelerate performance. One is building trust. And the second is driving innovation. Now, the latter is not a surprise for the pharmaceutical industry. We know that there's a need to constantly innovate, to constantly look at new ways of problem solving, to leverage data and to leverage creativity in everything they do, from R&D to marketing to market access, etc. So there's an opportunity to renew the social contract with employees. And in the context of the world and after the vaccine breakthroughs, we truly believe that this is a time for us to enhance and increase the way we upskill for digital and what are our digital fluency capabilities. And how do we think about change and change management differently? How do we create that emotional connection, that innovation creates that energy in the organization? And the other component is trust. And I would like at some point Blair to share his views on this because certainly PwC is in the world of trust and building trust for society. But in the context of a biotech and a pharma company, it's about excellence. It's about driving quality at every turn. It's about infusing ESG principles and transparency and governance. And it's about embracing psychological safety and inclusive behaviors from a DNI perspective. And at the end of the day, it's for leaders and teams to build and sustain organizational coherence. Yeah. So if you think, Lynn, about where you went and you generalize it, right? First point is there's this really interesting result that we've just produced in one of our competitors as well, which is actually if you're trusted as a firm, there's a 10% premium in your trading price. Now, we never would have thought that years ago, but actually it turns out that because there's a huge trust deficit in the world, your capacity to actually create a culture that engenders trust with the people you work with, with your customers, with your supply chain, with all the stakeholders that matter actually dramatically increases your capacity to do what you want to do and do it well. And it will actually protect you when things go south. So I think emphasizing trust is really important. There's a few other things I think I'd add as you think outside the healthcare and pharma space to think about within it. First one is culture is really hard to change. And so therefore you adapt it, you don't change it, right? You, you take what it is and you build on it. 
And so if you have a strategy that forces you to have a radically different culture, that's a really hard thing to do. If you have a strategy that takes sort of the core strengths of your culture and then adds to it, that's a better thing to do, right? So for example, you could say, we're really good at quality in R&D or development. We're really good at delivery to our clients really well, and we do it with massive quality. Can you add speed to that? We're really, really good at how well we deal with our patient populations or how we manage whoever your customer is. Can you actually add the degree to which you navigate your people as well? Right. And so can you take things that are good and can you twist them to make them even better so they're adaptive? Which then gets us to the next point, which is make sure that your strategy actually takes culture into consideration and the ability to change the culture as you build the strategy. And I think the final thing I'd add that we see from clients all over the world is that actually, if your culture doesn't have your purpose built into it, you're not going to do a very good job of attracting the best people in the world. This generation cares that what you do matters. The wonderful thing about the space we're talking about is that it matters a lot, but in some ways it gets forgotten occasionally. And so bring that to the fore and make it really come to life through your culture. And we've been trying to do that in PwC, so we've really worked hard to get our purpose connected to our culture, and I think we're doing a better job of it every year. And we're really trying to make sure that actually the things we're exemplifying to our clients in our culture, we're also doing with our people, so our people feel as cared for and concerned about and have the same kind of opportunities for adaptation and change that our clients have. And it's really, really working for us, right? So build the strength, I guess I would say, is a key feature of it, and think about how you do it in a way that actually brings it to life for the generation coming on, not just who we are ourselves. So a thing we found with ourselves and our clients is a conversation in the senior team about what you need in culture is not a really good idea. A conversation with the broad range of people that you have to engage with is a really important idea because they have very different views of what they're looking for than you will if you squirrel away in a hole. This is a very helpful context setting for us and would love to go a little bit deeper on the role of the leaders in this transformation that you're describing in this journey that you're describing. So if someone wants to be a transformative leader, if somebody wants to lead this culture change effort in the pharmaceutical industry or elsewhere, what traits should they be cultivating? What behaviors should they be modeling to be in that leadership role? So Igor, let me try that one and then Luna will make it really come to life, I think. One of the things we've been sort of wrestling with as we think about leaders in our own firm and what we do with our clients, but this originally came out of our own sort of leadership challenges within PwC, is that our leaders actually have to do things that feel inherently paradoxical, that feel at odds with each other. So let me give you a simple one. It's not possible in the world today to lead without being technically capable really understanding the core technology behind your business and, and IT in more generally. Turns out, though, that a lot of people are really technically capable, just aren't all that good on the human side, right? You sort of think about it, how many people do you know that took a PhD in biochemistry or a double electrical engineering also took one in sociology, psychology, um, political science? And not many have. So the issue is we actually have to be good at two things that aren't mutually incompatible that people tend not to have at the same time. 
And as a leader, you got to be able to navigate both. Another kind of paradox I gave an example of, which is innovation in today's world has to actually sort of have at the center of it. What are we good at? What's our core? What's special about us? What are our traditions that really matter? And then innovate everything else, right? So as you innovate, for example, in a development cycle, you don't want to get rid of quality. You want to make it better. You don't want to get rid of some of the practices. You just want to do it 10 times faster and with whole new methodologies. So how do you find ways to keep the thing that's special and then evolve it to what matters and what you're trying to do differently? So that's what we call traditioned innovator as a real challenge. Another example of that is the world's so dynamic and we're never going to be right about understanding what's going on in the world. So we have to have a level of humility that we haven't had before. We've got to engage way more people. We have to read broader, think broader, understand broader. We have to admit we don't know the answer. But then every once in a while, someone just has to call the question and act. So you have to be humble enough to know what you don't know, but kind of heroic enough to take the action and then be humble enough to realize where you got it wrong. And so each of those is an example of the kinds of challenges of being a leader where you have to do things that feel mutually contradictory. So in the old world, we used to say build a strength. Now we would probably say build a strength and mitigate weakness, right? That's harder, just way harder to do that than be a leader before. There are three other paradoxes we talk about um, that are critical. But that just illustrates the point. You've got to be good at things that just don't feel mutually compatible. And the best leaders, if you think about the people who've seen over the last two or three years, I can promise you they exhibited some of those characteristics. They were also great at strategy and really good at execution. And more often than not, the people who think in the clouds don't do well on the ground. The people who do well on the ground don't spend a lot of time thinking in the clouds. Got to do both. So Luna, those are constructs I just described. Do they really work in the world that you advise in? Yes, absolutely. And I think a good way to demonstrate some of what you're saying is through a story, a story of a med tech company CEO and his leadership team. And it was fascinating to see some of these constructs and archetypes emotion, right? As they had to make decisions, as they need to come together as one team for the first time. This was in the pandemic environment. So just making connections, aligning on ways of working, defining who they are, their identity, how to sustain the growth. And at the same time, had to focus on execution to Blair's point. And certainly what we observed right off the bat is that it all started with not only that leadership team, but the entire management group and how to cascade those cultural attributes and those leadership behaviors across the organization and how to be also humble and attentive around how teams are behaving, how are they evolving, right? As culture certainly is a journey. And what we seen as one of the, to me, that was the most compelling ways is when at some point the leadership team, after many days of being in a room and going through the offsite experience, they finally came up with a set of leadership commitments. And some of them you may think, well, this is rather simple. But in essence, it was just this understanding that from now onwards, we're going to display and we're going to live and breathe these behaviors. One of them was go to the source. Don't add energy to dissent or politics. The other one was about assuming good intent and help each other assume good intent. Conflicts are managed in the moment. When we get out of the meeting, we're united front, you know, and we're very coherent with, with the decisions that we made. You make the decisions you own and allow others to do the same. 
So it's almost like taking those leadership constructs and translating and operationalizing into day-to-day behaviors that can be observable, that can be replicated, and more importantly, that can be rewarded and amplified through the organization. So Luna, can I just do a piece on top of what you said, which is one of the paradoxes you spend a lot of time on is a paradox you call high integrity politician, right? Which is spend a lot of time working many, many, many constituents to get something to happen, but have massive personal integrity and team integrity in the process. Because at least three of your principles were, we've worked a bunch of stuff and now we have to be really clear about where we stand and who we are. And I think that's one that's really hard because you can spend so much time getting the answer that you forgot why you're doing it in the first place, or you can have so much integrity, you just can't engage other people's perspectives. And you got to be able to find a way to do both at the same time. And I think you give a great illustration of what that looks like in practice. Luna and Blair, thank you for joining us today and for the fascinating conversation. I know we're just scratching the surface and we will be linking on the page for this episode to other reading for those who want to learn more. And what I particularly loved is that you modeled and demonstrated the leadership behavior in this conversation, the balancing act of both talking about big concepts like culture, but also making it immediately practical and useful in describing the everyday behaviors to live that culture and to continue building the trust. And so really grateful for the conversation. Thanks for being with us today. Delighted to be here. Thank you very much. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please visit our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.